All right, welcome back to another episode with the useless commentary where nothing we say matters. Just like the miles between our friendship right now, Dave. But but dude, that that's pretty messed up, man. I'm really far away right now. Yeah. Do you know where I'm at? Uh I don't know. Like I always thought Travis lived in like Tennessee or something, but I think you're on the coast. I'm in North Carolina. So, dude, for our listeners, I traveled all the way to North Carolina just to do this podcast. What do you think of that? It's devotion, man. It is devotion. Do I get a, do I get a pay raise for it? Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought you got away so you could detox your mind from playing video games. That's right. Apex. I, I became addicted and uh, I needed to get some help. And so I'm out here for my addiction. Um, so my name is David and I'm an addict. Yeah. And you're there with your, your detox uh, like counselor for video games, right? Yep. Travis Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> he just so he welcome. slaps you every time you reach for a remote control. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome to the useless commentary. All right, guys. So like I said, last episode, we're going to be doing our first segment called Behind the Pulpit. And this week we are behind the pulpit with Travis Chapman. Word. What's going on, Travis? Not much, man. I'm honored to be uh, the first one. And then again, I'm kind of like wondering if this is, you know, the dry run to make sure it's not going to be a total flop. So, Listen, uh, man, yeah. we get like 12 plays an episode. It's all, it's already a flop. <laughs> man, listen, the useless commentary became a flop and that's the why the name is useless commentary. No, it was, it was dead before it started. <laughs> not if I can help it. There we go. All right. Let's bring this this Frankenstein's monster back to life. All so right. listen, let me let me just tell you briefly a little bit about Travis Chapman. And uh, Travis is uh, one of my man closest friends. Man, I love him to death. Um, I thank the Lord for him, and uh, we served a ministry together. He brought me on to be his um, youth pastor at uh, South Lepster Baptist, and we got to serve together. And our families just, uh, man, uh, they just joined together. God knew exactly who I needed in ministry to help me, to guide me, to teach me. And, uh, man, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm truly blessed to have him as my friend and also my brother in Christ. So I am super thrilled and I'm excited to have him here to do this podcast. And we're going to have, Travis, some questions for you. But is there anything you want to share before we get jumping in on these uh these questions? I don't think so. Um, let's just, let's go at it, man. You don't want to share with everybody about how amazing a friend I am and how great I am? Well, since you put it that way, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I love you, brother. I love you. Deep sea fishing for compliments right now, so just don't <laughs> don't play into that. Uh, man, I, I didn't pull out the money fast enough, but hey, well, listen, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started in ministry? Why don't we start there? I think that's a, obviously a great standpoint, and uh, why don't you dive in there? Yeah, uh, well, uh, my grandfather, my mom's dad, uh, was my pastor just for the majority of my young my young life, up to about 21 before he retired for age. Just a good, solid man of God, lived it and preached it, and 
I admired him. And even before I was converted and before I got saved, um, I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a preacher and um, just admiring him. Uh, I got saved when I was 16 years old, but at 23, after I was married to my beautiful wife, Rachel, I, uh, the Lord really had been working on me pretty heavily. It just, I felt this deep conviction for the ministry. Um, I just felt like that that's exactly what God would have for me to do. And uh, so once I just finally threw the hands up in the air and said, I surrender, you know, God began to open doors for me to go to Bible college. My wife and I uh, hadn't even been married a year yet. We'd sold the only house that we had had together to that point and, and moved to Knoxville, Tennessee for me to go to crown college of the Bible. And um, so it all began in that, in that area. So um, there in, in Knoxville under Dr. Clarence Sexton. So. Well, that's awesome. Uh, now you mentioned Rachel, but you forgot the three amazing kids you got. Yeah. Well, you know, um, they weren't around then, obviously, but uh, three years after we got married, we had Lucas. He's our oldest. He'll be 12 in June. And then um, 18 months to the day, uh, David came along, and um, he'll be um, 11 in December. Um, And then we got a surprise um, a year ago this June um, named Shepard. So we got three boys and um Lord's really blessed us in that area. Hey, Dustin. So Travis, his son, Shepard, does something absolutely awesome and cool. And so what happens is, is when Travis sings this song. I'm not singing that song. Trav, Trav, Trav. Travis, you got got to go. I'm not. I'm not. Trav. No. It's for our viewers. It's for our listeners. I'll explain it. Um, The song Sherry. It's an old song, you know, back in, uh, I don't know, I'm not that old. I don't think they know. Go ahead. No, Dustin, not, do you I'm know? Singing it. I'm not singing that song. He dances anyway when you sing to him. That's what he does. He does. It's pretty cute. <laughs> so, so who was your biggest influence early on and how did they influence you? Well, I mentioned my grandfather, uh, my mom's dad, who was my pastor, um, he was probably the first biggest influence. Um, he, God just used him, you know, his love for the word, his love for people, um, his desire to see the local church be what God wants it to be. He stood for truth, took a lot of flack from people when he would stand in what some people today would say is the wrong way to stand. Um, but even Spurgeon did it. He would take political stances, you know, um, when a political stance was going to go against biblical truth, which I think the church ought to do. Some people say politics needs to stay out, but I think we ought to make those stands. And he was one of the ones who would do that um, and took a lot of flack from people, you know, people that had been around him a long time, even some family members. And he stood his ground because he just, he believed in truth. And so he was one. And then my pastor back home, Dale Cunningham at Boone's Creek Bible church. He's our home pastor now. Um, But, uh, he too, he was one of the ones who influenced me in the area of not only, you know, uh, being an expository preacher, but also in the area of having a daily devotional life, a walk with Christ personally. And that was huge. Learning to have that and letting everything else grow out of that. So that's awesome, man. Appreciate that. 
Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's an interesting point that you bring up, right? So this idea of politics and religion and how the two aren't supposed to intermingle, um, you know, in our culture today. And I agree with yeah. you. I, th- I think that, that that is an incorrect worldview that has crept its way into our culture. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so, so we, we hear it all the time. Well, I don't talk about politics or religion. You know, in, in the realm of, you know, civil public discourse, those are the two things we need to be talking about, right? Because if you're not uh, yeah. having a conversation, how are you ever going to change someone's mind? And, you know, a a pastor who is unwilling to speak out against the evils, you know, of their culture and of their society, they're not being a pastor who, you know, is taking the example of those who have come before him. Right. So we look at, you know, all the way back to John the Baptist, you know, within the New Testament, we see him speaking out against the evils of his age. And I think it's like you said, that is a commendable quality. And I I think more men need to, to take that stance. You know, and, you know, and you can absolutely still, you know, preach exegetically and you can still preach the spirit of the text without having to put your meaning into it, you know, and still engage culture. And I think that's a that's a great quality. Yeah. And I I even personally, um, I just been sharing with Dave since he's been visiting with us, too, of, you know, how I was approached not long after even being where I'm at by a guy who who was just being kind to let me know. I had made a political statement in a sermon that was in regards to the evils that are clearly, you know, uh, rebuked by God in scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spoke of it, spoke of it in, in a message. And uh, as, as he approached me afterwards, he said, I'm just telling you out of love, brother. He said, there are people who think that way in this church. I just wanted to kind of warn you. And I said, I appreciate your kindness and, you know, you're, you're looking out, but I said, I'm going to stand for this truth and, and I'm going to declare it. And I don't mean it, in a mean way, but it has to be declared. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate that out of my grandfather very much. So. Yeah. That's definitely. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you so, know, and, and then especially in a, in a culture today where everything is so political anyway, right. You, so you, you can't, you know, decide whether or not you want like captain crunch or fruity pebbles without it being like, which side of the aisle are you on? You know? Um, you know, everything becomes a a political stance down to the smallest thing. So for us to, to, uh, you know, do everything, but preach against, you know, political ideologies or philosophical ideologies, you know, like brother, how else are we going to call out sin? You know, because everything falls into a, a blue or a red mindset, you know, with, within our culture today. Um, you can't call something, you know, evil or call something good without, you know, stepping on the toes of, you know, half of the country. So, right. Sure. Well, let's, I, have, I have a, this is a really important question. Uh, Travis, Captain Crunch with berries or without? With berries. Dustin? So, okay. I think, oops, all berries, but I hardly believe that it was an accident that it was all berries. They did that on purpose. <laughs> you you would you would uh, yeah you would. But all right, let's go. Let's move on to the next question here. And uh, with behind the pulpit, uh, Travis, let me let me ask you this. We we kind of were talking about this today um, with a couple other elders and and just fellowship, right? So let me ask you, what parts of ministry are you passionate about personally? Well. As knowing my calling, knowing what God, I think, has given me to do, 
Um, number one is just the clear preaching and teaching of the word. Um, you know, ex- expositionally, I think there's topics that you hit at times, obviously, but they, topics can be hit on expositionally. So, um, you know, just the clear teaching and preaching of God's word, that's probably the primary, but then, um, uh, and this is not just a cliche word that's been thrown around because so many people use it now with not, you know, without engaging in it and without understanding it, but discipleship, um, and I, and I mean that from the evan, evangelistic side as well as the growth side, because I think they're one and the same. Because you, if you're constantly engaging people and doing what you're supposed to do, making relationships, and what you're doing is, is you're constantly either discipling someone to Christ or you're discipling someone uh, in, a, in, in growth toward Christ in, or in, uh, discipling them in Christ. So to Christ and in Christ discipleship. And it just it, it, it makes the church be what it's supposed to be um, between each believer with between each member as we just are loving each other and um, engaging in each other's lives and helping each other to um, grow in our faith. And so um, I guess those are the two main things that I'm passionate most about. So this kind of rolls into that. Um, so I'm going to ask you because you're just talking about that. But. What what are some of the biggest challenges as a pastor that you face um, that maybe congregations don't know about? Um, well, one of them is, um, you know, true friendships, because um, if either one of you haven't experienced this yet or anybody listening, if we have anybody listening, I hope we do, but anyway. <laughs> Probably not. You know. I think we lost it when we asked Captain Christ. Hey, I'm going to encourage people to listen, you know, anyway. But, um, wait a second, Travis, I asked today, how many people did you share our podcast with? And you, the, the answer was none. I'm well, heartbroken. Well, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> Dave, I, I, Dave, not- put the fishing pole up. Stop fishing for likes, man. Come on. <laughs> Right, you, so back to we are going to earn these followers by the sweat of our brow, or we're not going to get them at all. <laughs> all right, Dustin, well, get ready to sweat when I get back. No, but listen, let's go back to that thought, though, in sincerity. <laughs> in sincerity. Um, you were talking about friendships. Yeah. So, okay, so in the area of ministry, one thing I learned really fast, and it's it's still this to this day, that's why I cherish you know, our friendship and other brothers that I have. And, and a lot of times it's people who are already in ministry in the congregation, they, they may even want to be your friend. They'll have you over for dinner. You may let the kids play together, but truth be told, they always keep you at arm's length because they either won. And I'm going to try to say this best way I can. I want to sound like offensive toward people, but they either one, they, they don't want you to know about their secrets because they think that you'll think bad of them. Um, or, um, they think that they hold you in such a high regard that if they see you being real, they, they can't have respect for you anymore as an elder in the church. And so, and when I say being real, obviously not being unruly, but just being a person, you know, you, you laugh, you cry, you have to discipline your kids and um, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, and, And those things, that's probably one of the biggest challenges is trying to maintain good fellowship with people who are not, who are not full time ministry with me. So listen, uh, just for anybody that's uh, listening in our podcast, we got Travis Chapman here, and uh, he's in North Carolina serving at uh, Fellowship. Fellowship Baptist Church. There it is, Fellowship Baptist Church. And um, 
just so everybody knows, uh, I traveled down to North Carolina to interview him. Uh, we have Dustin back at home, and we're, we're trying to do this very uh, differently than we normally do in the studio. So uh, we have people sitting outside. We have, we're sitting in a car, so don't mind us with uh, any interference that you hear. Bear with us if you would. But Travis has been just really pouring out his heart in regards to some behind-the-pulpit things that, that maybe know about him himself and, and struggles in ministry and, and different things about himself that he loves about the ministry. Um, and so let me, let me ask this question, Travis. Uh, we're chatting here. Um, how has your personal ministry changed over the years? Well, um, I was warned of this before going into Bible college, but you still are not ready for it when you leave. Um, you always feel like when you leave your educational, uh, your place of education, whether, you know, seminary, um, most of the time Bible college level, that you're going to be the answer to all the church's problems that you go to. <laughs> and you you go in with this uh, almost a haughty, prideful mentality. Um, God has really humbled me through that because, <laughs> uh, you know, you Bible college and seminary, it's only going to teach you so much. It teaches you a lot, but until you're in the grind with people facing the political issues, as we mentioned, facing the people issues that we've mentioned, just being in the trenches, you're, you're not going to learn and um, and you're not going to grow in those areas, you know, and, and people can tell you all they want to in a classroom, but until you're in it, it, it doesn't change you. And so I guess uh, my personal ministry has changed specifically, I would say, in the last five or six years in two main ways. Number one, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of, I guess, what we would call in the scriptures would call in the old King James string and straining in a gnat and swallowing the camel, um, that we do. Um, we, we major on minors, um, in a lot of ways that, and I used to be that way that, that are not issues of the day that make you more holy, more spiritual. Um, for instance, maybe music styles, um, translations of the Bible, um, those kind of things. I'll edit that out too. <laughs> I'm like trying to cover the mic whenever whenever these cars come by. I don't know why so many people are driving gonna, down my street right bro, now. Why is like a toilet flushing? He literally lives in a place where maybe one car might drive down the street like every five hours. We're being oppressed. This has to be this a dodge. Is, this, this, is, this is definitely oppressed. All right, so let's get back to that. Um, translations, go there. So, you know, little thing well, – some people would call big things or not big things. And, you know, I used to be the whole, um, the King James only group. Um, and I still love the King James Bible. I think it's very poetic. I still read it, but I understand that translations have been given to us modern style of language, the way that we talk ESV is one of the, you know, one of the versions that I really enjoy. And so a lot of those things have changed over the years. And then another, you know, position is my stance in the doctrines of grace. Um, uh, I, I was I was never a what some people would call free will doctrine or um, uh, strong Arminian views that would believe in a work salvation. I was never that, but I did have the free will view that you know uh, I can make a choice at any moment or be persuaded at any moment by maybe someone's preaching 
to put my trust in the Lord rather than it being an actual act of grace and his calling on my life. I think the biggest thing is, is just in how to handle people and how to handle um, the ministry itself. It's, I am not the end all to um, a church ministry. Uh, I, I don't have all the best ideas. I'm not the best preacher. I'm not the best uh, administrator. Um, I am, I realize now a lot of frailties in my life and it just makes me more dependent upon the Lord. So that's something that's changed. It's, but it's humbling experiences that God has had to bring me through. So I, I like, you mentioned something about the Bible and I want to make sure that, so all of our listeners uh, are very clear when you talk about KJV only, right. Um, and about how the KJV, you still read it. It's poetic and whatnot sure all of our listeners understand is that you're saying that the King James is poetic, but yet that is still sharp and powerful and it is still the perfect and errant word of God, just as much as new King James or ESV or new American standard Bible. Correct. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I just, man, you know, there's too many people out there that, that really want to like what you said, man, they want, they want to, divide they want to cause and i want to make sure nobody tries to twist your words in any way um well on 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 that i want to make this statement too because you and i talked about this earlier today in in the young man that we're discipling uh, i stand too that there, there's a level of maturity in your in your walk with christ and in the ministry that i think god has shown me where um when i was in the king james only mindset and movement um you know that can be pretty browbeating that can be pretty belittling of others and making people feel like that they're just in heresy because they don't have the right bible but i've also felt um the same from other people who find out that i read or that i'm teaching from the king king james that would that would treat you the same way like you actually use the king james so you're one of those right and you know, they treat you differently. So there's, there's, there's evils on both sides. And I think that there's a, there's a happy medium that God wants us to have. There is a, a mature middle ground that I think that we as believers should be able to come to on that. And um, so that's what I'm getting at with that. Cause I still enjoy, you know, my, my daily devotions. It, it, I might be in the King James for a month and then I might jump to the ESV for a couple months. And so, um, and I enjoy that. And then when I study, I use multiple, you know, versions. So it's just, but just understanding that there's two sides that, that attack and we need to be careful with that. Amen. I agree. I definitely agree with that. Well, you know, I, I think it's important to recognize that as well, you know, that there are always two sides to any given argument. And I, I feel like, especially within realms of Christianity, when we're talking about other denominations or other, you know, sects within the Christian faith we we tend to always misrepresent that person on the other side or we tend to take something that they have said you know one or two lines within a key document yeah. and just extrapolate mm. on that and, and just take it to some end where we make them say something they never really meant so that's actually been something i've been doing and i think i'm i'm probably you know completely messing up my youtube algorithm doing this but you know i'm you know, listening to apologetics and I'm listening to defenses against, 
you know, whether it's traditional Protestant, you know, um, points or whether it's against, you know, traditional reformed points, you know, from these other people. So, you know, listening to these Lutheran guys or these, you know, Anglican guys defend what they believe, Mm. you know, against what we're generally told they believe. Yeah. And it's like you said, I think we tend to to miss the middle ground because we're both standing on our own respective hills. Yeah. So, you know, I think when we can begin to say, you know what, there's a there's another person on the other side of this argument and they believe what they believe because they fully believe that it's truth yeah. and they have a rational reasoning behind thinking it's true. So I'm going to try to see their argument. Yeah. And understand where they're coming from, because I'll, I'll, and I'll say this for our listeners. You will never win a debate or a philosophical or an apologetic argument with another person unless you are able to defend and state their point of view better than they are able I, to. I, so I, you have to have a good working understanding yeah. of that other person and, and where they're yeah, coming from. That's a great from. point, Dustin, that you made there. I like that point. And, uh, and that's, man, a lot of people try to get me, cornering me in different ways and different, you know, about, you know, my, the way I brought up and, you know, and then also new ways of belief, right? I sit there and I'm just like, man, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm studying both avenues because I don't want it to be that, I don't want to be misled and misguided by one person one way. And I'm not saying anybody's wrong. I'm just saying, man, there, there's, there's something to say about somebody who has studied to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I think you can't mm-hmm. do that unless you've taken everything in consideration and really dived into it. And guess what, guys? I'm not talking about heresy. And there, we already know that there's those religions out there, man, that are way off the rocker. You definitely know that there's differences in there. But one of the last things I want to bring to you, Travis, is uh, a question uh, to kind of end our, our Behind the Pulpit series. And um, here it is. You ready for it? I think so. It's coming from you, so I'm a little bit sketchy here. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so, Travis, Travis, what would you tell your younger self right now if you could? so that he could either make different decisions or whatever the case may be. What would you say? I would say the, the thing that I would tell myself if I could go back is it would be, um, be, be more quick to listen. Um, I'm a very outspoken an opinionated person. The Lord has given grace and slacked that off a lot more than it used to be. <laughs> um, but I, I'm the kind of person who has been very guilty, especially in my shepherding days and trying to just work with people to, I've only listened to enough of what you're trying to tell me in order to figure out how I can give a good response. Now, some people would say, well, isn't that what you're supposed to do? Well, in some sense of the word, yes. But to listen and think about and even tell someone say you know what let's pray about that and meet about that again so that I can get in God's word and try to figure out how I'm supposed to um, handle the situation you know or or how I should respond Um, I think one of the things is is just listen more be slower to speak listen more and and even be more prayerful 
um, and not so hasty and just trying to get something done or get something said. I hope that makes sense. You know, sometimes we can be so hasty and just trying to get something done or make a response to somebody that we've we've really missed what was trying to be said or something God's trying to teach us in it. So I think that would be one of the, the big things that I would probably tell myself. Shut up and listen. <laughs> one thing that you would say that maybe isn't that serious but would be more lighthearted that you would tell yourself that you know now to warn them back then. Smarter. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I know that was a joke because, you know, we're coming up in the independent fundamental Baptist movement. It's like there's a group you know, thought that having a facial hair was like sinful. It's, uh, I had to say that. <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, I, more lighthearted. Um, laugh don't be so stiff that you can't laugh at certain things remember God is the one who gave us a sense of humor and obviously if it's not just something perverted and heinous but something you can laugh at but laugh at yourself that would be one of them too like so often I'm so and in ministry and being a pastor sometimes you you have that position and you think well people are watching me and, and I don't want to be made a fool well obviously not but be okay with with laughing at yourself that's awesome man <laughs> i guess yeah. that was great awesome man that was good man i appreciate it bro that's real listen i think dustin would agree with me man we ain't trying to have people on here that are going to be phony and fake we want people that unless unless they're paying okay, to be yeah on so here. i mean i take that back if you want to give us a donation of you can be a total Sesame Street character and come that on this true. podcast that is if you're paying. Hey, I, I want to say this one last <laughs> thing about Travis Chapman to our to our listeners, man, is that um, the one thing that made me see that he was a true man of God was that he was willing, more, more than one occasion, to call me back, whether it was the night or the next day, to apologize to me on something that he felt like the Holy Spirit told him he was wrong about. And uh, I have yet to find many pastors that do that. And he is one of the few. And so um, this is a true, true, real man of God that uh, loves his family and he loves people. And uh, I appreciate him coming on here and uh, being the first one, man. That's a lot of pressure on that. It is. It'd be hard to talk, but I think somebody else will beat me out. <laughs> we'll have you back uh, Dustin any closing remarks my man uh, nothing worth uh, I mean it's all useless anything I have to useless say here, commentary so.